It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we got a special guest in store for you. It's Javon Shepard, the Raptors radio analyst starting this season. Of course, former Canadian national teamer and uh, all-around good guy, former guest of the podcast. We're going to have him on, and we're going to talk about early season takeaways. And, of course, we got the dude of the week to hand out for the second week of the season. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1270 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, October the 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Raptors for now nine seasons. You can find my Substack newsletter, Post Touches, over at Substack. You want to subscribe there for free or for a small monthly or annual fee. You can also find me on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can subscribe, follow, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. And we are on YouTube, of course. You can go hit the big red subscribe button and support the show in video form each and every day as well. And I very much appreciate you for doing that. All right, on today's show... One of my favorite dudes covering the Raptors in and around the Raptors, in and around Canada basketball. It is former Michigan Wolverine, former Canadian national teamer, former co-worker of mine calling CEBL games who has moved on to work with far more talented people as the new Raptors radio analyst alongside Jonesy Paul Jones. It is Javon Shepard. Javon, how are you, my friend? Man, Sean, I appreciate that intro. Somebody might actually <laughs> believe you, but no, um, you're my brother, man. You're my brother. We're locked in. We're locked in. Locked on, ro- on Raptors, but we're locked in family, too. We love it. We love it. Uh, really happy to have you, man, and uh, really, really glad to hear you're on the radio waves this season covering games for the Raptors. I have to ask you, you're working with Paul Jones now. Paul Jones is a legend of the game. I, do you have any Paul Jones stories to tell from your first week or so calling games with him? Do you have anything that people should know about? And my my sort of main question here is, do you have a favorite Paul Jones-ism? He's got lots of catchphrases, lots of things he'll lean on. What's your favorite of the bunch? Answer all of those questions in one shot. I just asked a terrible podcast host question, but I trust you to deal with it. <laughs> he, you know, Jonesy, he's fun, man. He's a good time, and when he gets in and hits you with the from the bottom of the well, you, bottom of the well, yes. <laughs> but no, he has a lot of those one-liners, and I'm half mm. the time I'm I'm trying to compose myself because I'm looking at him I'm like, where are you pulling those from, Jonesy? But no, he cracks me up, and it's it's been you know a, a blessing to work with him alongside him because you know we don't go in there and it's not your typical broadcast. It's sure two guys chopping it up and we're just having conversation, right? Yeah. He's a former player himself. Um, so we just bounce ideas off each other. Sometimes we don't agree. A lot of times we do agree. Hmm. Um, and 
I think that's what what makes it more fun, more and enjoyable is that it doesn't it doesn't feel like work at all. And yeah, you know, there's sometimes it, one thing we always agree on is you know the minutes, please, and how everybody you know as soon as this team takes a loss, one or two losses, everybody automatically points the fingers at the losses, and we're always looking at each other like the purpose purpose of this game is to win. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, if, if you don't win, ask Dwayne Casey what happens, right? Yeah. Like, so, no, it's, it's it's been great. It's been great. It's been awesome. Um, I've been fortunate to work with some tremendous people. Um, and obviously now with Jonesy on, on Raptors Broadcast, Raptors Radio. Yeah, everyone, make sure you're checking out the radio broadcasts. They're always super fun. And, you know, Javon, you're, you're really, really good at what you do. I, I'm curious, like... We've called games that were broadcast on like CBC, CBC Gem, it was like video broadcasts. We're in the building. We're, we're calling games. You are calling games on the radio, remote from a studio, and it's on radio. It's way, way different. There's like a way more descriptive element to it. Um, you have to kind of, you have to say the score a lot. That's the number one thing. I've called some games on radio as well. You have to say the score a lot or people get very mad at you because it's just, you know, it's kind of always the question of, oh, well, what's, what's the score? So basically every bucket, you got to throw it out there. Like what have been, if any, like adjustments for you to cover job the radio broadcast obviously the play-by-play is a little bit more of the sort of script burden falls on jonesy's shoulders in that situation but for you how does your analysis change how does the way you approach calling a game change to do it on radio versus tv i, I from radio to tv i think you know the, the, the challenge there is with with tv you're obviously seeing right you know, your viewers hmm. are always obviously seeing so you can be a bit more in depth I would say mm-hmm. with, with TV, in a sense, um, on, let's just say, the tactical aspects of the previous play or two, because your your viewers can follow the play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not missing any action. With radio, you have to be really clear, concise, but at the same time, um, describing the actual action that took mm-hmm. place. Right. As opposed to describing the tactics that you may see of TV, because, again, now radio, nobody's seeing. So you have mm-hmm. to be concise. You have to be tight. Um, and then you have to give your play by play time to follow the place so that your your listeners don't lose out on anything. But sure. Different feels different flows. Uh, and I, I, that was a lot for me to learn, but just bouncing back and forth between both. But I, I think the biggest challenge um, for me is obviously, you know, doing home games in the arena. And then yeah. doing road games in the studio because for us, not only do you have to balance the game and the flow of the game, but you have to manufacture that that energy um, and try and replicate it for for the list listeners, right? And while obviously when mm-hmm. you're in in the arena, that takes care of itself. When you're in studio, it's Jonesy and I looking at each other, and <laughs> I mean, just trying to figure it out there. Definitely. Um, obviously, this is uh, coming from me alone. Put the Raptors radio broadcast team back on the road. Javon, you obviously, uh, <laughs> you don't need to weigh in on this one. But uh, I I said it. I said it. You heard it here first. I think you guys should be on the road. It would be really, really great if you could be on the road. Uh, not to mention, I would imagine being on the road with Jonesy is a whole lot of fun. He seems like uh, just the dude who knows everybody in every quarter of the league. And uh, it'd be fun to kind of go around with him, I'm guessing. Uh, we're going to dive into some sort of bigger takeaways from the season. But you mentioned the minutes thing there, John. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because minutes police, like, I get it, right? I have in Raptors recent history examples of 
hey, you play a guy fewer minutes, he's probably going to be fresher come playoff time. We obviously saw it with Kawhi Leonard. We saw it with Kyle Lowry in you know the seasons after he kind of burnt himself out being such uh, a minutes horse for the team. Uh, and they you know adjusted his regimen and brought him down to 33-something minutes in the last couple of years with the team. And that was great to see. Obviously, Pascal Siakam playing a ton of minutes. Fred VanVleet playing a ton of minutes. Scotty Barnes, when he's in there, playing a ton of minutes. It's, it's a lot of minutes for these guys to absorb. My thing on it is, I think it's fine early in the season when you're going through this gauntlet of seven very good teams to start the year. You want to win these games. These games are all going to matter come the end of the season. And it just feels like way too premature and early to be worrying about like pacing yourself for the playoffs. I, where are you at on this? I know I, I, you kind of leaned into your sort of thoughts on it earlier on, but Listen, I, like, just too early to get angry about minutes, I think. You can only preserve yourself for playoffs when you're in the playoffs. You've got sure, to get yeah. there, right? Yeah. Like you, you've got to get into that position. And I think sometimes we, you know, there's some oversight in let's worry about the back end of the season before we take care of the first. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the schedule, those are all teams that you're going to be competing with in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. So those teams are actually very important, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, seeding and, and so forth, um, come down the stretch. The reality is we haven't even played 5% of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you got to you want to get off to a good start. Now you get into the midpoint of your, your season, then you can plug and play a bit. Right. And mm-hmm. the reality is basketball is an equal opportunity. Right. Yep. So the guys that we're we're talking about that are, you know, Coach Nurse should be dispersing some more minutes to they've got to show and prove as well. Right. And they've got to do it consistent, consistently, not in just spurts. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're limiting his tool. You can't. It's not just, hey, I'm going to hand you minutes. Just just play to play. It, it doesn't work like that, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that's where, you know, I, I'm indifferent with that notion of, you know, the minutes, please. And I find when we win, nobody talks about it. It's just it's yeah. those <laughs> minutes. When we lose, yeah. it's it's that's where we're pointing the finger to. You know, if you're a coach and you look down at your bench, you're not going to not play a guy that's helping you win, right? Mm-hmm. Coaches are evaluated on, on wins and losses, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're helping that coach win, Coaches don't have favorites. Guys that are producing, they'll find minutes for you and producing consistently. I'm speaking from a point of being a player that's been disgruntled before and being a player that that hasn't that's been playing the bulk of the minutes and then also learning over the course of my career. Look, if you're producing, you're helping that coach. Mm-hmm. Right? So these guys, we got to put a little more onus and a little more pressure on guys not to just produce in spurts, but produce consistently. Right. And yeah. now you, you now you arm your coaching staff with more. Absolutely. And, and I guess like I'm also interested in the former player perspective on this, just as far as, you know, is there that tangible a difference as a player? If you play 39 minutes in a game versus 34, to me, it feels like where the real rest comes in is like actual built in. You're off today. You're not going to play this game. We're going to load manage you today. And like, I can get on board with that idea. That's a very grueling schedule. Lots of back-to-backs. Like you get deep into the season. It's clearly worked for them in the past to just give guys nights off. Obviously Kawhi being the big example there. But for you, like, did you find that if you played in a game, like if you were playing 40 minutes as opposed to 35 or whatever, did that really all that much differently tangibly change the way you felt after a game like were, were you feeling the, those extra five minutes on your legs or was it more of a I okay I'll just take tomorrow off and then I'll be fine the reality is you condition yourself to the amount of minutes you play so if you're consistently playing 
35, 38, 40, mm-hmm. you then now are accustomed to that. Your body gets acclimated to that. Uh, it's the bigger it is for guys that are playing 10, 15 minutes to then mm-hmm. play 30 one day. Sure. Their body actually feels it a lot more. Right now, over the course of a season, yeah, you want to start to tailor those minutes, especially when you are feeling fatigued. You are feeling mm-hmm. like even mentally gassed because that's what, what's essentially going to control the body. Um, and players are aware of that when they need a day. Um, and there's there's so much health science and where we are now that, that that's improved and progressed so much to, to measure the fatigue of players and the risk of injury that they're in a good position. But there's far there's, it's far more of a jolt on a body that's playing 10 minutes to play 30 one night than it is for mm-hmm. a guy to go from 35 to 40. Now, that being said, yes, it is something you want to monitor because mm-hmm. I don't think the concern is more so the minutes played. It's the travel, right? It's, it's yeah. the up and down there, the, the nutrition. Um, and then these guys are young guys. They want to go out now and then have a good time. That's more of the concern than the actual on-court minutes. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Javon, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to dig into some other big takeaways from the first stretch of the Raptors season. Plus, you have the honor later in the show of granting the Dude of the Week honors for this week two of the Raptors season. So we'll get to that later on. But first, got to tell our good friends out there about our good friends at Prize Picks who are making daily fantasy sports easy, fun, simple, accessible. It's really, really awesome. I'm not much of a daily fantasy sports player, but Prize Picks just might get me in as it's just very simple. You can enter two to five players in your entry, say whether you think they're going to score more or less than the points that are projected for them. And if you are correct, you can win up to 10 times on your entry. It's really that simple. Just imagine what a delight it would be to have some Canada basketball back in the Javon Shepard days. You could say whether he was going to score more or less than the certain number of points he was projected for. What a beautiful world that would be. Pick made it possible. You could do that now with Canadian basketball players who are playing all over either in the NBA or the international circuit when that comes up as well. They got all sorts of sports for you, so go and check them out. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on, meaning if you put in $100, they're going to match that with $100 just poof into your account. What a great deal that is. Don't forget the promo code locked on at prizepicks.com for that instant deposit match up to $100. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Javon Shepard, former Canadian national teamer and Raptors radio analyst, hanging out here today. Digging into some of our bigger takeaways from the first week plus of the Raptors season. They're 3-2. and two. I think they've looked pretty good for the majority of the minutes they've played. The first half against the Heat, kind of the one real notwithstanding section of a game, I would say. Otherwise, it's been pretty good returns early on against some good competition. Javon, do you have sort of like a big overarching takeaway you have from the first five games that you're kind of thinking about, whether it's, you know, something maybe changed from what you thought about the team before the year, something that's been even more cemented in your mind based on what we've seen? Well, I think... You know, the and I tweeted it recently 
Um, the runs, Rico, Rico Hines runs. Um, mm. And the fact that those guys had spent so much time together playing in the offseason and, and, and just bonding together, right? I, I thought at this point in the season, we're seeing that, that togetherness, mm. that chemistry. Um, and they're able to get off to, to a quick start, right? And I think just the way that they play, um, you don't have a guy that's going to go out and, and give you 40 a night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody's picked up and played well in their minutes, right? Like they've had a number of different guys lead them in scoring just in mm-hmm. the first the first five games. Um, and then obviously their defense, um, the interchangeability that we've, we've spoke of time and time again, I actually see them adding – you know, to to the, from a schematic standpoint, the way they're switching, the way they're, you know, their zones, um, you know, they're, they're scrambling off the ball and the rotations rather a little different. Right. Um, but that's because you go into training camp. Guys have been together. There's rollover from last season, 12 guys um, from last year's season on, on this roster. If you're the coaching staff, you get to expedite training camp and, and, mm-hmm. and the learn. Right. There's less of a learning curve and more of just picking up. And I, I, I thought, you know, especially just watching Philly play and, you know, how underwhelming they looked and, you know, our games against Miami, we we look a bit ahead right now. We look yeah. like we're off the races um, and got a little head start. And I think that's the, that's the biggest takeaway, right? And I don't think you're seeing any completely new nuances or offenses or you know, anybody has come back with a completely different package. There's a different level of confidence. There's a there's a level of trust early on. And, you know, guys that haven't played well in, in, in spurts have been able to pick it up. And I think that's been the biggest thing. And I think I attribute that to those guys spending a lot of time together and that mm-hmm. continuity, that rollover. And I think a part of that continuity, too, is it feels to me, Javon, like there's a little bit more role definition this year than there was last year. I don't know if you feel the same way, but, like, it seems like established. All right. Pascal, he's the dude. He's going to carry the usage. He's going to be the one from which a lot of the good stuff flows on offense. You've got Fred working with a little bit lower usage, working off ball. Obviously, the defense for him, he's the anchor of the defense. Like The way he's shouting stuff out, hanging out at the nail, just directing traffic. Like It's been really great to see him kind of just be his best self on that end. Two, you got Scotty just seemingly always in the right place to finish off a Pascal pass when attention goes his way. Trent seems to be embracing the, you know what, I'm just going to hit catch and shoots and, you know, there'll be some times where I have to bail us out late in the clock and those will be my chances to kind of flourish and shine and try my gunner stuff. And then OG obviously is maybe the guy who's kind of in between the most right now, but even then it feels like it's established. Like he's not going to be the Pascal. He's probably not even going to be on the level of Scotty or Fred when it comes to the number of creation opportunities he gets, but when he gets them, he's going to get to the paint. He might fall down, but like there's there's good stuff happening there still on those drives. Like, what do you make of the role definition with the team this year? Obviously, the big thing coming in was there's lots of mouths to feed. There's five guys in the starting five who can all kind of hurt you and are going to want their looks. Do you think they've done a good job of kind of balancing that and then also just sort of establishing what everyone's job essentially is when they're on the floor together? I think two things establish that. One, again, you look over in your locker room, and these are all guys that I see I know from last year. You know what everybody does. And sure. secondly, I think this is the most important part, is Pascal's come out and he's established that yeah. he's the guy, right? There's a confidence that he's playing with. There's a confidence that permeates throughout the team, and everybody knows the ball goes in his hands. He's the lead. He's our primary guy. 
right? And the fact that he's come in, you know, he had a healthy training camp, come into the, the beginning of the season healthy, and is playing and playing at a high level, he's taking that baton, right? And taking that 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 lead role, that charge. He's been vocal about it and he's shown it, right? Mm-hmm. So once that leader is, you know, really turned that light on and they're in that that focal point, they're they're saying it, they're proving it, they're doing it and showing it, then everybody falls into line. Now, if I say this, if Pascal, if Pascal had a slow start, yeah. it becomes a bit more turbulent, right? Because sure. then guys want to show, okay, I can do a little more or I should get this shot or I should be a creator. But when you have your top two guys, your feature players come out and establish themselves early, then everybody understands like, no, this is our guy. We can't do what Pascal does. We don't, we don't have the ability that Pascal has. So we have to be the best in our role. It also sure. helps. It also helps that Fred, he's done a great job of just coming out and, and distributing early, mm-hmm. right? So Pascal's going to score. Fred's come out those first two, three quarters and said, I'm going to facilitate. I'm going to distribute and get guys involved. It's a perfect balance there, right? So I think, you know, after that, and it, it's funny that you say that, you know, after the Cleveland game, uh, I went to went to dinner with one of the coaches and he turns to me mm-hmm. and he asked, how the hell does Coach Nurse get these guys to play so hard night in, night out, <laughs> right? 82 games. And I looked at him and, I, and then he said, like, this is, this is the reputation that they have across the league and even dirty, right? Even as dirty mm-hmm. players. The reality, and we all know these are these all these guys are amazing guys and nice guys, but think about the reputation that they have playing hard, dirty, mm-hmm. gritty, tough. Um, and that comes from the defensive side. It that takes care of so much. Then you have Pascal that's come out, come out, been an aggressive, said he wants to be a top five guy. He's playing like that. And then you have yeah. Fred that's coming out and distributing, right? So they have their roles have really, you know, organically um organized themselves. For sure, yeah. It's um, it's been. I, I expected them to look good out of the gate just because of just you know I didn't put a ton of stock into the Rico Hines run stuff until all they talked about on media day was man those Rico Hines runs really helped us it was pretty awesome like we were that's got us ready to go and it's like all right I guess it's real I guess it matters and if they, like it's it's certainly delivered on the promise they have kind of become one with one another over the course of the off season and. Hopefully, as they get through this early gauntlet, and, you know, I guess you could argue with whether the Sixers and Nets and Heat early on provide actually a gauntlet to go through, but, um, you know, these are all teams that were figured to be quite good. Once they get through that, they got a spell of, like, pretty soft competition, and I could totally see this being just kind of the early stages of a big run, even early on. Like, they just kind of feel like they're kind of hitting that groove, and haven't really looked bad for long stretches they're stringing together more of the stretches where they look fantastic and once you start doing that i mean maybe you just become fantastic that's just kind of how it rolls um javon we're going to come back on the other side we're going to dig into the dude of the week and give you the honors of naming the second dude of the week of the season we'll get to that in just one second a reminder locked on leafs is available every single day in your favorite podcast apps and on youtube mike DeStefano, dave morissuti breaking it down they lost last night to a very very bad sharks team which uh is upsetting and bad and uh dave and michael make sense of it all as the leafs continue to be absolutely perplexing and frustrating but that's okay because the raptors are less so and a little bit more fun and engaging the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Javon, let's dive in now to the dude of the week. For those who had initiated, this was originally a very often occurring segment on the podcast last year, the dude of the game, as we'd hand out some flowers to someone who had a very dudely performance on a given night. Uh, it felt like it got overused in its role, and so now we've lowered the usage. It's just a Friday, last segment of the week, go off into the weekend, feeling good type of thing. Javon, who do you got as the dude of the week for the second week of the Toronto Raptors season? It's got to be Spicy P, man. And Yeah, I mean, crazy. fair, yeah. <laughs> I'll go with Spicy P because, look, this is his fourth game, already his fourth game with at least 20 points, five rebounds, and five assists, right? Yep. And you know, numbers are great. Numbers are one thing, but he's gone out there. He's talked the talk and he's walked the walk. And mm-hmm. if you needed any any image in your head or anything that exemplified that, you look at that last game against Philly and he went out there, hit a couple shots and start to talk crazy to P.J. Tucker. And I just saw P.J. start to get smaller and smaller yep. and smaller. And P.J. Smaller. knew. <laughs> and he, and he you just, got me. Yep. <laughs> the bottom, he just was exuding so much confidence. He was that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it goes to him. Right. And I'm a big believer. If you're going to talk the talk, you walk the walk in and, and spice the piece done that. So he's my guy. Yeah. I mean, hard to argue. He's been just incredible. And, you know, just the confidence with which he's just kind of dictating things. I think the thing that's really stood out to me, I've talked about it on the show this week, but it bears repeating is just he is so in tune with what everything that he does is going to do to the defense. It's what it's going to do in terms of where the guys on his team are going to move next. He just kind of has the whole floor mapped out and just knows exactly where each read is supposed to go and what read to make, what reads not to make, what passes not to make, what passes to make. He he just feels so comfortable as the lead engine decision maker in the offense. It's really, really awesome to see. I want to ask you, Javon, so yesterday in the show, I was digging into some early numbers from the season. And one thing that did pop out as like a minor red flag for the Raptors and Siakam is that they're not getting to the rim very much. They are 28th as of yesterday in rim pressure per cleaning the glass. And Pascal last season took 55% of his shots inside 10 feet. This year, just 41% of his shots coming inside 10 feet. Do you think that is a byproduct of just playing really good rim protectors to start the year? Alan Mobley, uh, you know, even Nick Claxton having that out-of-body experience on Friday. Bam, Joel Embiid, who, while not very uh, effortful on Wednesday, is still very large and in the way. Um, Do you think it's more a byproduct of just the rim protectors they've faced and the deterrence that those guys are? Or is there something you're seeing in the way the Raptors offense is working that maybe is kind of skewing them away from the rim, which is troublesome considering at the start of the year Nick Nurse said the thing they were going to focus on was free throws and rim pressure free throws I think have been pretty good rim pressure maybe not so much is that something you think will clear up as they maybe face lesser competition and get out of this sort of early small sample thing or is there something you're seeing that maybe this is a thing to watch so I'll say this right now they're just shooting the ball well right and yeah. shooting is contagious it's 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 rhythm and if you're shooting it well you ride that wave sure. right um I think in years of the past, we questioned their ability to shoot the ball, and they were forcing things at the rim. Right now, there's a, there's a there's a you know a good balance. They're shooting the ball exceptionally well, um, so you're going to see less of that. And it's it's such a small sample size. 
But I think their default, like we know, is is going to be getting to the rim. Like they have a number mm-hmm. of guys that just slash to the basket. So I think law of averages, that's going to even out itself. But mm-hmm. for right now, you ride that wave. And if you're knocking down shots, your offense is a bit more fluid because, like we know, a lot of these guys do naturally like to get to the basket. OG, sure. Pascal, right? They they do put rim pressure. So I don't think that's a question. I think it's just a matter of, hey, we're shooting the ball well. Keep shooting it. Right. Yeah, I mean, like the Sixers are going to give you exclusively open threes for an entire night. I guess you just got to fire away. Why drive when we could get three points with this basically a layup because the Sixers don't care to guard us in transition or anything like that. Um, part of the dude of the week, Javon, is the dudely play of the week. Lots of options, I think, from Pascal's week that was. You had, of course, the lefty dunk on Kevin Durant on Friday night. You had the... The pass I keep on thinking about where he kind of keeps his dribble live while he's doing a bit of a post up against the heat in the second game and then just fires it across court. I think it was to Gary Trent Jr. or it was OG, one of the two guys who shoots a lot of threes, but just like this gorgeous live dribble skip pass out of a post up. That was pretty awesome. I, I think my early contender or late contender, whatever you want to call it, is the the final jump shot, the like the the two pointer he got over P.J. Tucker in that first quarter where he was on fire against the Sixers, where he talked the most after hitting the four threes. Which of those three stands out to you as the doodly play of the week from Pascal well, that's Siakam? Why, that's, that's why we're family. That's why we're brothers. <laughs> we see eye to eye because that's the trot. And then the trot back, just talking to P.J. Tucker. And I'm telling you, I could see P.J. just start to shrink and, and, and Pascal just became bigger. Like he was this giant in the, in the room, right? Yeah. Uh, so that would be it for me because it's just the confidence there um spoke volumes and p just believes you could just tell him like i'm him i'm 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 that dude Mm -hmm. Uh, so that for me was 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 probably the play and like you mentioned he's had a number of them but it's not just the shot making the creativity um it's and this stemmed even from from media day him walking Mm -hmm. up on the podium and saying i want to be a a top five player in this league and him also saying now like i i've worked for this moment like i believe myself i trust myself so you're, you're seeing him go out and do it. So I like when he's out there and he's talking his talk, mm-hmm. you know, and, and getting after it. Yeah, I I almost want to go with the dunk over KD. Um, A, for the symbolism of like the offseason. Are they going to trade Pascal for KD and all that that was going on? And also my like one bugaboo with Pascal Siakam and like full on Pascal Siakam is probably like my second favorite Raptor of all time at this point. I love Pascal Siakam. I've been, always been a believer. But my one thing has always been, he doesn't dunk hard enough. He just does these like soft little dunks. So you have like OG just like yamming it whenever he goes up. And Pascal always just so delicate and graceful with his dunks. And that yam on Kevin Durant was forceful as hell. And I liked that. It was great to see uh, a really hard, mean dunk from Pascal. Yeah, what you got? And that's, that's just Pascal being smart. He knows, yeah. he knows he's going to be logging a lot of minutes. I'm just going to get up light and flush it. Finesse it. <laughs> Save myself. <laughs> Save the pounding on the knees, save the, save the pounding on the hips. I'm going to get back on D, and I'm going to make this smooth and seamless. Genius. Uh, last one for you, Javon. I need you to tell me a time from your career where you were Pascal Pascal Siakam in the Pascal PJ back and forth, and a time where you were PJ Tucker in that back and forth. See, I'm not I'm not going to give you the Pete when I was PJ Tucker. I'm not going <laughs> to do that to me. Yeah, that's going to happen when we finally play one-on-one, of course. Yeah, yeah. obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Keep ducking um, me. It's fine. It's cool. But you know what? I remember playing, playing Spain and and Rudy Fernandez. He um he made me feel like like PJ a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a poll right there. That's he great. Talks crazy too. But no, <laughs> I've had some, I've had my fair share of Pascal moments. Yeah. Who against who? Give me a name of someone who you just saw lined up across from you. It might be an obscure guy from Europe, but give me the name. It must be burned in your brain of like okay, that so guy is guarding me tonight. I'm going to destroy him. I'll give you this in the yeah. in Nike Hoop Summit. Monte Ellis and Lou Will. Um, I got off to a great start in that game, and Monte uh-huh. was telling, was saying to to Lou Will, "Hey, you gotta guard him." And Lou Will's telling him, "Nah." He too big, he too strong. You got it. You good. You good. But meanwhile, this is my first time going up against these two guys. I got off to a great start. I maybe had, you know, eight points of the, eight of our first eleven points in the opening four minutes. I thought I was going straight to the NBA after this game, but that was one of the moments where I just felt myself growing bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, but no, that was it was some fun times, man. It's good to know that Lou Williams and Monte Ellis learned their lesson and got good at playing defense after that. Uh, (laughs) We'll uh, round out the show there, Javon. Thank you so much, man. It's always great chatting with you. It was great to have you on the show. Great to hear you on the radio broadcast this year. Um, Obviously, people know where to find you. Tune into the radio dial. But for, uh, you know, where, where, what dials should people be checking out and where can people find you online and all that good stuff? Well, just my name's Twitter handle, Javon Shepard, Instagram, Javon Shepard. And I'll be doing Raptors Radio on TSN 1050. Should be fun. Should be a fun ride. Hell yeah, it will be. Uh, everyone, go check out the Raptors. When's your next game, Javon? Tonight against Philly. Hell yeah, tonight. Perfect. Raptors, Sixers, listen on the radio, shall you? I will be because I will be driving into Toronto and uh, like around that time. So I'll be listening on the radio. I can't wait to listen. And everyone should be jumping on that. As well, that's going to round it out for this week. We'll be back again next week. Of course, Monday, we'll break down the game against the Sixers with our pal Vivek Jacob for Big V Monday. And uh, we got a good week lined up of games and reactions and all that good stuff. Thanks so much for tuning in, as always. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Sports Today. It's our 22-minute rip around the sports world. Everything you need to know from the night before. And uh, it's great. It's fantastic. It gets you everything. It's a great little information download done in under half an hour. Hosted by Pete Bukowski. Available on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps. With that, we'll round it out. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the game against the Sixers. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.